Zachary Bartles, pastor of Judson Baptist Church, and you're listening to Mimi Reads the Bible. Welcome back. We missed a week. We did, did we not? We did miss a week. No, I wasn't saying it would sound weird if I said welcome back. I was saying it would sound weird if I said welcome back to Mimi Reads the Bible like I have been. Because oh. it says, you're listening to Mimi Reads the Bible. And then some guy's like, gotcha. in slightly worse quality audio, is like, well, welcome back to Mimi Reads the Bible. It just sounds uh, novice, you know? So, we did miss a week and we should apologize. We should. Because everybody, I know there was a clamoring. It was trending on Twitter. And so, we're back though. We are back. And we're back with a vengeance. We're back in black, like uh, ACDC. ACDC? ACDC. I'm just checking to see how worldly you are. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? bring everyone up to speed. What's going on in your world, Amy? Well, I am here, and uh, the secretary's ill. So, I'm kind of, without being asked, I just took over. Now, Mimi, I don't know if I'm the only one who finds it a little odd, but the secretary is suddenly ill, and here you are, ready to take her place. Uh, it seems a bit like, uh, I don't know, some of these situations involving Herod or some of the Caesars. Convenient. Perhaps she needs a cupbearer? Perhaps she does. Did you hand her a cup of coffee this morning before she began to feel ill? No. No, I did not. Okay. She was ill last night a little bit. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Everyone pray for our secretary, Kim. Office manager. Office manager, Office yes. manager. What is this, 1955? <laughs> yes. Well, Mimi, you look ready to read. I am. Why, why don't you just jump in? Everyone is wondering, we had this barley harvest. It was a cliffhanger. It was a cliffhanger. What is going to happen now? So we're in Ruth. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Now, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the heirs of grain, after one on whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant in charge of the reapers answered and said, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? 
And Boaz answered and said to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here, that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain, and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servants, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not insult her. And also you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles, <laughs> and leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today, and where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn the kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Then Ruth the Moabite has said, Furthermore, he said to me, You should stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids, lest others fall upon you in another field. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Ooh. So now we've got another cliffhanger with the wheat harvest. Am yes, I right? we do. We do. And what will become of Ruth now that Boaz has told his servants to even let her glean more? What I like about that is that he's he's kind. He, he's very, very much empathetic when he sees her, her state. He's He appreciates what she's done, but he doesn't just say, Here's a bunch of food. He lets you keep her dignity. He says, oh, pretend that you're like Butterfingers over here. Oh, oops, I dropped some more. And then she can pick it up, which is part of their, I just spit on you, which is which is part of their, uh, the way that, that God uh, took, care took care of the poor. Yeah, the corners of your fields, the, the stuff that's left behind when you're, when you're working. Huh, that's very cool. There, and we're going to take a little break from Ruth. In our next reading, we're going to go to the Christmas story. 
Yeah, yeah, but you don't have time for that because you got like big no, lunch plans I know, and everything. I know, I know, but I'm just telling them. So they can brace them. So they can know that there's going to be a couple weeks before they can find out what happened what to Ruth. Now, what I thought is is really troubling throughout that whole thing is the twice referred to danger, even within Ruth's people, Israel, mm-hmm. that like Boaz had to tell his guys, "Don't touch her." You would think that would, you know, come with this, right? Like you're, I don't hor- hire horrible guys. So yeah. they're not going to touch her. But, like, he had to say, I, I, you're under my protection, which is a recurring theme. And then Naomi is like, well, don't move on. You, some some other field, you might get attacked and, and assaulted. And that is just horribly sad. Yeah. And, but Boaz says, you're under the wings of God. And, and that Hebrew word, it's a little uh, fun intertextual uh, insight. That word, kanaf, it's the same word. That later on, when she comes and she gets under <laughs> the hem of his his garment, you know, for protection, mm-hmm. um, under the blanket that he's using, uh, you know, the, the garment he's using as a blanket, that's the same word, kanaf. So it, he becomes the instrument of God's protecting her. And I think that young men need to read this book. Yes. And it's and not a just a girl story. Totally. Yeah. Th- this guy is actually more of a man than a lot of the sword-swinging guys and judges that are happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because he takes care of his people. And you know what his name means? No. Uh, it means, really woodenly, in strength. Uh, b, the bow part, the the B is a uh, preposition, in. Mm-hmm. And so, like, strong. Like, he, like So he's like, a, he's yeah. a man's man. Yeah. So he saw her from a distance, and his heart went pitter-pitter-pat. And he's like, ooh, come eat lunch with me, and all this stuff. Undoubtedly... She's also, oh, hey, Boaz. So it, it's a little something for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. This, this is a great story. What else jumps out at you here in this text? Well, I, I love that, um, that she does what she can to, you know, it's not, oh, woe is me. I'm the, the poor daughter-in-law of Naomi, and my husband's dead, and I have nothing, but I came. You know, so people mm-hmm. would feel sorry for her, and 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 she doesn't. She's willing to work and take care of Naomi. Yeah, and she—that's love, that's real love, and and that she really has um, made Naomi's people her people, and her God is now her God. Yeah, yeah, she's even under the protection of this God because she she chose to come and be and, and, and claim him as her, mm-hmm. her God. One aside, we see that, that Boaz and his people aren't Lutheran or Roman Catholic because okay. otherwise they would have said, and also with you, <laughs> when he said, the Lord bless you, uh, or the Lord be with you, rather. Um, but this might be controversial, and I want your insights. There are two categories, kind of, in the Bible of, of people who get assistance because they're in a horrible position. You have someone like Ruth taking advantage of what was a welfare system in place. You know, she was able to go, and even Jesus and his disciples do this. They're walking through the corner of the field. It's not reaped. They, they break them off. They thresh with their hands. Uh, and then they eat the and then they eat the grain and uh, and they're called on you know doing it on a Sabbath but it was okay to do it. You have that a kind of active and then you have people who are unable to go and walk around behind the reapers all day 
people who would be sitting there, they're blind, they're lame, whatever, they're very, very old, they're sitting begging. Mm -hmm. Today, I feel like you have very few of the first kind. You have a lot of people who seem, and I don't judge people, you know, because I don't know their backstory, but I'm judging the trend. And it seems like 99% of the people, they have a sign maybe that says, I'll walk and thresh and pick up what's left. <laughs> but really, they just want you to hand them money. In fact, if you say, I'll give you, you know, I'll, I've been threshing all day. You want some of my bread? No, no, no. I want some of your shekels, man. Um, do you think there's, uh, biblically speaking, do you think part of what lifts her up, and you kind of said this already, but do you think she's a almost a patroness of those who find themselves in a difficult position and instead of just putting the hand out, she says, I've got people to take care of. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, get a sign that says, I'm just going to go out. I'm just going to start doing, <laughs> you know, and I know it's not as simple as that a lot of times when people fall into tough times, but, but suss but, that a little. Yes, I think that very much she wanted to um, make her way as best she could to take care of Naomi and herself and not have to depend on others. And um, although ultimately the Lord orchestrated it, that others were helping her, she she was able to do it with dignity. And I think that when people do do as much as they can for themselves, then again the Lord brings into their lives and gives them opportunity to better themselves and better their situation. So I think that still is very true that if you are uh, seeking to um, to take advantage of the, the opportunities that are afforded you, then God can bless you in those and open up doors. I've had times when people come to the door of my house What's funny is sometimes the same people who come to the church, and if they recognize me, I think, okay, this is somebody who really is in need. And if they don't, I, I often will assume this person sees so many pastors, so many people, asks so many people for a handout that I get suspicious. But when someone says, can I rake your yard for a half an hour for, you know, for a few bucks, I need bus fare to get here, or I need whatever, I often will say yes. And sadly, it comes from... The, the fact that I don't just give them the money, I say, yeah, here's a rake. It comes from a, a, a place of kind of calling their bluff and testing them to see if mm -hmm. they're the real deal. If they really do a good job, if they really care, you know, they really want to work because they don't want the handout. They want mm -hmm. an opportunity. But when I hear you read this, I think maybe um, if my heart was in a better place, that would be the biblical thing to do because they're continuing to do what people or apart from the effects of sin and apart from the fall and apart from sickness and apart from all the stuff that we all deal with mm -hmm. when you're when you're able it's a gift to be able to work mm -hmm. and so to you know when someone comes to the church and says you know you got a room i can paint or something i've got a board of trustees who's saying careful if somebody's painting and they slip and break their hip now all of a sudden we've got a liability issue but at my house um, I guess I play it fast and loose. <laughs> if you can hurt yourself raking my yard, you're really talented. But have you have you had any experience with that kind of thing? I've had experience both um, in in wanting to do what I could do, and then having the Lord bless that, 
Mm -hmm. And then also in in seeing somebody who has is trying as hard as they could and being able to bless them. Uh-huh. And uh and I think that's I think that's the real gift is when the Lord allows you to bless someone else knowing that you were there at one time as well. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's really the the biggest gift. In fact, that's I think that's in First Corinthians. It says that when we we are um, given grace to get through a trial, then that that same grace, that same uh, you know what we've how we overcome it, then we can help others. We can you know aid others in that same in that same difficulty. And and so you know I think about people like when I was in New York uh, last year, um, there were people like selling carnations. Right, they had a big bunch of them, and and you know part of this is New York's economy. Mm-hmm. You know this, being from uh, Jersey, right? Uh, <laughs> is everything's more expensive? Yes. But also part of it, I think, was that this person, it, it was just a, it was a way for them to get, and maybe I'm being naive here, but I think it's a way for them to be supported uh, in their in their need, while still saying, "I'm standing out here." You know, I'm not just standing here with a sign. I'm standing here with something. So there's this sense that we can both maintain the relationship of a service, you know, and mm-hmm. and I think that's a great gift to someone so that they don't forget their value, you know, that mm-hmm. in God's eyes. Yes. I wonder how the church can do that better. Well, I think I think that Judson does a good good job of it. And I think that an organization like Christian Services helps the church to... But, but, but how, I mean, how does a church that says, you know, here's, we have these resources given for people who are struggling, mm-hmm. and then we give them to somebody. What what are things that... And then you're a deacon here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a deaconess, like Moabites. I'm just yeah. kidding. We don't have deaconess. It's a deacon. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Moabites it sounds so very old-fashioned. Um but but how can we, and maybe, I haven't thought about it, I'm just mm-hmm. spitballing here, um, best maintain people's dignity. I know one way to do it in our Love Clothing Center. We, we've clothed, you know, mm-hmm. 40,000 kids over the, you know, couple decades. They call them all clients. Mm-hmm. And we talk about things in terms of shopping, even though they're not mm-hmm. paying for it. I know that there are ministries that have, like, Christian Services has the free store. So you go through and, you, and you're shopping and everything is treated like it's a store, and you get it for either nothing or very, very little. Mm-hmm. But it, rather than, you know, seeing people as quote unquote charity case or something. Right. I wonder how churches can put in safeguards to make sure we're more Boaz about this and less kind of like, I'm on my high horse doing my good deeds because God blessed me mm-hmm. because I'm so good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I think about that a lot about how to um to help uh people to go like to the next step of 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 what they can can do and how we can and i think one way is to is to help um people with budgeting mm-hmm. right yeah okay and and um i think that's um something that's lost right 
Giving someone tools, though, not just yeah, giving tools. them. Yeah, and there's, I mean, it's so cliched, it's not even funny, but the fish, you know, you teach mm-hmm. a guy to fish. The thing is, if you get, teach a guy to fish without giving him a fish, he can't concentrate, right? <laughs> you got to give him the fish and have him eat and then say, let me also help you. Into the f-. So I think maybe maybe what you're saying is, uh, or maybe I'm just putting it in your mouth, no. you, you give and then at the same time you equip. Yes. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> well, that's what you said. Okay. That's what you said. Uh, interesting. And, and it's funny how a book like Ruth, it seems so disconnected. I mean, like, th- whose young woman is that? <laughs> that? That question makes me uncomfortable, even though I know what they meant. And then, you know, later on, we're, like, bartering over, like, marriage with a hand and a guy a shoe. Like that. I mean, it's so... But it's not disconnected. No. What What's the... So I asked you what your takeaway from Ruth One was, and you went on an incredibly powerful uh, personal journey with us here. So without trying to set the bar that high, what's your big takeaway from Ruth Two as a whole? Well, the the fact that I really um, like how we're fleshing out Ruth and we're fleshing now out Boaz so that um, here is, again... This woman who had to, in some ways, be terrified of this new area where she could have been totally rejected, and yet she let me go and work in this field. Um, Not, what are you going to do for me, Naomi? This is your country. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who doesn't, you know. But no, she takes... And she's going to go out. And it wasn't that she, okay, I know this is where Boaz, who is a, a relative, is. You know, it's not you calculated. You said you're kinsman. <laughs> <laughs> but she's going to work in a field and with with nothing more than to to get the, you know, the the, um, the daily bread. Yeah. Yeah, what we and need for today. She, and and she has nothing above that. And yet we can see how God is setting the um, table that is going to be far more than her daily bread. The, this this woman, we're going to read from Matthew 2 next week. We're not going to read the... the uh, Unless everyone, there's an outpouring on Twitter. We're not going to have you read the genealogy. But if yeah. we did, we'd find this woman in it. In fact, maybe we should just to connect the two together. But, I mean, what? A, there's no greater gift. Like, she expects, okay, God's going to, this new God, not new God, through me, new. Mm-hmm. This, this God I am now following is going to take care of us enough that we won't starve to death today. But God from the other end is going... Uh, actually, I'm going to use you to save mankind. Ultimately, you're going to be a little, a small part of the plan, but David's coming from you. <laughs> Jesus is coming down the line. I've got humongoid plans that you really, God doesn't use that language, but I'm using, I'm paraphrasing. That's the message. Um, you know, God, I, God is at work in ways that she can't fathom, <laughs> you know, uh, to, to do more than we ever expect or imagine <laughs> to use New Testament language. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think it's okay to kind of spiritualize this a little bit. I, I hear you talking about it, and I start thinking about ev- evangelism. Because Jesus uses the, the terms of going out, you know, and sowing and harvesting and this sort of thing, and, you know, all this agrarian imagery. If we view ourselves in this same way, like, I, I want to go out and just save everybody. 
And I want our church to have a master strategy. And this is how we, you know, there's classes you can take and books you can read and all this stuff. But what if instead we just said, I'm going to go out like Ruth and one, one at a time, just a little bit at a time and trust that God, A, he's at work in this bigger plan, but also he's got Boaz's and, you know, he's got other, he, he's got, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got 7,000 in this town who haven't bowed the knee to Baal, whatever you want to, you, know, you want to go. And if I just offer my little service, God's going to take it and kind of weave it into this tapestry of what he's doing. Do you think that's going a little too far, too, too far afield with this? Or do you think it applies? No, I think it applies. I think it very much applies. And that's the... That's part of the, um, the the magic of the story is that it really does apply now, mm-hmm. and that's exciting. Have you had an experience before where you you were involved in that kind of like I think I'm going to go share the gospel with one person, or I'm just going to be there to to you know mourn with one person and tell them I'm praying for you, and it's offering you know a little bit you know this little. When you have only enough uh, grain where you can bang it out by hand, mm-hmm. it's a very little bit. And so the expectations weren't huge. And then God came in and changed lives and like used you to, or or used you as part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. I um, have uh, gone on um, mission trips to Jamaica, and we go to schools where they have to have a morning devotion, they call it, but any group can come in, and they allow you to present the gospel. Nice. And they present, uh, and we are able to give them cards um, where the uh, Good News Club workers, the child evangelism, can they we give them what they will work on for a year, and they will be able to have clubs in these schools, and uh, many times the doors are open because we come in and do the programs with puppets and drama. And um, and then to see and to hear back of the ones where this school has opened or these children have come back and said, I've made a decision or I want to hear more is... Mm-hmm. The exciting part is when they want to come and know that here we were doing just this little, you know, a bit of time. And yet the Lord blessed it and gave the seeds for these workers. And a year of their time is spent on following up and making new con- converts and new contacts. And how exciting that is, that just the willingness to do go. Mm-hmm. And and we're going to not the parts where the tourists are going. Right, yeah. We're going back in the hills where sometimes they're touching your skin to see if the white will come off. Uh-huh, okay. Because they these haven't... kids have not seen white people. So and, when you uh, tell someone, I'm going on a... Uh... A mission trip to Jamaica, will you support me? They're all like, yeah, this sounds like a scam. In February. In fact, it's an incredibly (laughs) impoverished nation, and and people are needing both the... Mm -hmm. So so in in this sense, we push it even further, spiritualizing. (laughs) You give the fish, Mm -hmm. 
Maybe you some you or someone else teaches to fish, but but at, but at the same time, maybe we say you give the bread for the stomach, and then you also say Jesus is the bread of life. Mm-hmm. So if you're there and you're and you're showing your love in material ways, and you're uh, presenting the gospel so that the Holy Spirit will move, the, these little these little um, offerings, you know, like the boy with the the five loaves and the, the two fish, you've got suddenly. God is blowing it apart in a way where you're like, oh, that wasn't me. That couldn't have been me. No. <laughs> I know what I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yet God can use, yeah, wow. I, I think this is a tremendous chapter of, of Scripture. And I'm, I feel like it could be preached on five times with five very different messages. Yes. All of which are legitimate applications of, mm-hmm. of the truth we find in it. All right, well, we're about out of time because uh, there are a lot of people who want to go out to lunch with Mimi. She's got, like, a sign-up sheet. There's, like, a four-month waiting list. But uh, usually you say something clever at the end. So what's it? Is it? Uh, I have nothing clever to say. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Okay. Thank you, Mimi. Thank you, Beth. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can find us online at www.churchlansing.com. Scripture this week taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version. Copyright 1973, 1978, 1984. International Bible Society. Used by permission of Zondervan Bible Publishers. And don't forget, God's Word is there to be read all the time. You don't have to wait for meaning.